This episode of Cognitive Dissonance is brought to you by our patrons. You fucking rock. And it's clear from Genesis 11 that this profusion of languages is bad. This represents a curse from God. A fucking rock tower. Kind of a dick. Gotta build a tower. Up to God. What's the foundation? For your rock tower. And it gets taller. It needs to become exponentially wider. He's kind of a dick. <laughs> we can concoct plans that will be a menace to everything that is good, everything that is right, everything that is holy, and everything that is just. He's kind of a dick. Hi, Tom and Tisol. This is Esme, and I um, love your show, as you know, and I was listening to your most recent episode. And in it, you guys talk about uh, Louis Gomert saying um, that illegals, they have no respect for the law. And it made me laugh because you guys pointed out that it's true that they don't respect one law, which the law which, you know, says that they're here illegally. Um, but the irony is, is, if you were like me and knew a lot of illegal immigrants, um, well, I don't know a lot. My... Um, my former husband, um, soon to be ex-husband, is um, is illegal here illegally, and he is the most law-abiding citizen. And because when you're here illegally, the last thing you want to do is is have a record because that will get you kicked out very quickly. Hey Tom, hey Cecil, it's Devin Dog Josh. Come up with another fucking episode soon because I'm starting to lose my fucking mind as I am now enjoying. Fucking the movies that Gamcast is fucking covering. God damn it, I'm losing my my mind and becoming Eli. What the fuck? Hey, come up with something new. Keep my eyes laughing. Peace. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Recording live from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome at, though welcome mats are on sale. <laughs> Cecil. Yeah. We are back in America. Yeah, we are. We are recording. We are reunited, and it feels yeah. so good. <laughs> <laughs> and we are also joined by Seth Andrews from The Thinking Atheist. Hi, guys. Does it get much better than this? I don't think so. I, I think don't this think is so. It. This, this is, is the it. pinnacle. I thought we peaked on the trip, but actually, this is even better. Yeah, so. well, I try to peak a couple of times, you know? <laughs> that way, I don't have to last that long, yeah. as long as I just go again. Well, I'm here by accident, and I thought it was another show, but I'll, I'll stick around, <laughs> so it's all good. <laughs> oh. 
it is it is a pleasure to have the velvety soft tones of your voice, sir, back on our show <laughs> once again. It's good to be back. I hate we were talking just a little bit pre-show, and I'll tell the audience this. I I talk about they like you host the website, the Thinking Atheist, and yet you get suckered by the the most basic of gags and memes and whatnot all the time. And it just happened to me again. Somebody sent me this video of. A guy, one of those guys who climbs these radio and broadcast towers, these big 2,000-foot-tall towers, to change the bulbs. Because you have to. You have to, for aircraft and other reasons, you have to have bulbs at certain intervals that flash at certain frequencies, whatever. And so there's this guy climbing the tower. And he's, I mean, it's just mesmerizing. And so I've been watching for the last <laughs> half an hour, waiting for him to get to the top, until some genius on Facebook says, you realize it's a loop, and you will be there until you die. <laughs> He never gets to the top. I feel so. I feel so betrayed. Like I, I've given myself to this man who had been going for the pinnacle, and he's not. He just never gets there. And I just got. So that's what I was doing right before we started the show together. And it's all foreplay, no culmination. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just come on. Yeah. Are we getting? Somebody there? said there's a version of the video where he does reach the top, and I'm. I've got to go find it, but. I feel terrible because I think because I posted it on my social media pages, there were hundreds, if not thousands of people who are at this moment glued to a looping video waiting. They trusted me and I led them astray. Awesome so, go figure. Oh, Get this man some sheep jumping over a fence. He'll be unconscious for life. <laughs> uh, welcome to my oh, weird awesome. little world. But no, things are things are great and I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on the show again. So Seth, we wanted to have you on and talk about a story. The story comes from the Patheos blogs from the friendly atheist blogs specifically. Um, and, and I actually found this story deeply unsettling and, and, uh, it really made me kind of rethink my support for Southern poverty law center to be perfectly blunt. Um, Southern poverty law center, Ayan Hirsi Ali and Majid Nawaz are anti-Muslim extremists. Um, so basically the nuts and bolts of the story is the Southern poverty law center compiles a list of hate groups, um, and extremists. And, um, they've, they've been uh, compiling this list for a long time, for a very long time. Um, and they have recently decided in their uh, non-wisdom um, to name Ayan Hirsi Ali, and um, I'm going to mispronounce it, Majid Nawaz. I'm, I'm mispronouncing that. I know that I am. No, I think you're pretty close. I think you're... Am I? Good. Yeah, I think you're there. As uh, anti-Muslim extremists. And I, I find that just patently insane, given the work that they both do to try to bridge the gap between radical Islam um, and sort of the broader Western world. They both are, um, you know, part of a larger movement that is calling for kind of a modern-day reformation of Islam. Um, and and it's, it's unsettling to me that they would be named among so many of these others who, who may be anti-Muslim extremists. Um, and it makes me really question Southern Poverty Law Center's... Um, Really, their, their research, their decision making. I mean, they're, what the hell is going on here? I, uh, I saw the story. It's gone viral. I saw the story today on Yahoo News, and it's been picked up by, I think, Raw Story and some other you know, online publications, for lack of a better word. And, you know, the SPLC has been in the past an organization that I have, they've been easy to get behind. We have to remember they started back in the early 70s going after the Klan. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. they're right. based in Montgomery, Alabama, going after the KKK. 
you know, a couple of these guys who were just their advocates for human rights, for civil rights. They decide they're going to create this organization that's going to be sort of an advocacy and education group that provides information that that files lawsuits on behalf of those who have had their civil rights violated. And, you know, they get firebombed, they get death threats over the decades. They have really put themselves in the crosshairs. And it's been easy for me, at least, to say, you know, hey, I support that. These guys are brave. They're they're on the right side of the issues. They're fighting for equality and, and justice and and those types of things. And all of a sudden, they just pull this one right out of their ass. And I think yeah. of, of all the things to do and of all the people you're going to call anti-Muslim extremists, I, I think to myself, it, I honestly wonder if it's it's just another speech police move, right? It's, it, you know, yeah. is it, I don't know where you guys fall on the trigger warnings and all those types of discussions, if you've been down that bunny hole or not. You oh, know? we have, my friend. <laughs> we have been up that uh, bunny, down that bunny. We, we've, we've gutted that we bunny have, and fried that fucking thing. We put a saddle on that jackalope. <laughs> <laughs> we rolled that fucker into the ground. I don't want to live in a world where, I mean, and what's difficult is that I'm, I'm a person who I want to be sensitive to other people. When I go out and I'm, sure. I'm yeah. acting and reacting in the world, you know, I don't want to brandish the most abrasive parts of me on my sleeve 24-7 at the highest volume possible because I realize that's not always the best way to have conversations and to make and to make inroads to change minds. But at the same time, you know, there are no sacred ideas. There are no sacred cows. And I'm not responsible for the susceptibility or, or vulnerability of the most uh, you know, the most traumatized person who happens to fall into my zip code. I, I'm at some point, going to have to be able to operate in the arena of ideas without having to walk on eggshells. And um, I think with Ayan Hirsi Ali and Majid Nawaz out there, they're going after Islam. They're hoping to reform Islam, really starting from within, especially with Nawaz's case, because he's still, as I understand it, a practicing Muslim, a secular Muslim, but he's a Muslim. Uh, you know, you're not going to reform Islam from the outside. You're not right. going to look at yeah. Islam and say, you guys are wrong and this is stupid. And they're going to say, you know, you're absolutely right. We're just going <laughs> to. No, yeah, nobody told us. Yeah, well, it, it hasn't fucking worked yet. Right? <laughs> it's not like it's not like there's a there's some, you know, it's not like the Ayatollah has read Sam Harris's book, you know, and, and considered it. You know what I mean? That's not right. going to fucking happen. I, I, I notice on this list. That Sam, Sam Harris, Harris isn't, isn't on, on the list, list right? right? Yeah, that's another thing I was going to mention. Yeah, you know, and he wrote that book with Majid Nawaz, the conversation, yeah. or what, I don't, I don't know what it's called, yeah. but, um, but he wrote the goddamn book with Majid Nawaz, and Majid Nawaz makes the list. Yeah, no, I, I and Ayan Hirsi Ali makes the list, and Sam Harris, who has been deeply critical, um, and these guys are critical of Islam. You know, Ayan Hirsi Ali and Majid Nawaz, they're critical critical of Islam in a really intellectually honest and rigorous way. Islamophobia, of course, is Islam's way, one of their ways of remaining insulated or trying to remain insulated from criticism, you know. And, th- and I was right. speaking to Faisal Saeed al-Muttar about this and Armin Navabi over at Atheist Republic and Mohammed Sayed and many others, uh, Miriam Namazi. They talk often about how Islam likes to say, Islamophobe, racist, bigot, and they throw these out in an attempt to shut down all criticism against them. You're not criticizing Islam. You are a bigot against, let's call it brown people or, you know, whatever they happen to pull out of their ass at the moment. And the truth of it is, that assumes that Islam is a a skin color, a culture, uh, an idea, a, a race rather, where Islam is actually an idea that is held and practiced yeah. by people of all shapes and stripes and colors and cultures all over the world. 
and it's practiced in all kinds of different ways by people all over the world. So the idea that it's racist or bigoted to criticize Islam is just absolutely insane, in my opinion. One of the things that, that bothers me about the way in which they, uh, they classify these two people, one of the things they say about uh, Ali— they say in this, in this, and this is from the Southern Poverty Law Center's website. I'm going to read it. It says, while in the Netherlands, she wrote a script for a short and provocative film about women in Islam directed by Dutch filmmaker Theo van Gogh, who was murdered in the street by a jihadist a short time after its release. The murderer left a note threatening also to kill Hirsi Ali pin, pinned to the victim's body with a knife. But I want to bring your attention to the short and provocative like I feel almost feels like they're blaming the victim here yeah. by saying it's a provocative film. You provoked these people into doing this right. violence. That's bullshit. Hey, you that know, is, you drew Muhammad. garbage. You, you drew yeah. Muhammad. So it's on you if somebody comes yeah. and, and cuts your head off, pal. I mean, that's the thinking. Absolute garbage. I can't believe that you would say provocative in that way because you are making that connection. As if to suggest that there is any set of words you can string together in the proper order that makes sticking a knife in another person's chest an acceptable yep. reaction. Yeah. There, it, it, I don't care what that set of words is. I don't, I don't care if, if, if the set of words is the most mean-spirited evil shit about my children. Uh, the, the response, uh, there's never a response where it's like, well, I stuck a knife in that guy's chest because he said mean things about people I love. Right. The SPLC it, also seems kind of dangerously ignorant about the human rights advocacy that Ayan Hirsi Ali has done all around the world with the AHA yeah. Foundation. Oh, for sure. sure. So you yeah. think, you know, even a cursory glance at the totality of her work over the last, let's call it 12 years, reveals not a hate speaker, but an advocate for the very types of people that the SPLC has wanted to be an advocate for since 1971 yeah. and yeah. even before when the founders were working independently. They are trying to speak out on behalf of those who may not have a voice. They're trying to speak out on behalf of minorities and people who are under the boot of oppression to try to create a more just and equal playing field for all of us. That's what Ayan Hirsi Ali has been doing with the AHA yeah. Foundation. It's insanity. What I think that they're doing is they're saying – you are a hate group if you're saying this set of ideas is a violent set of ideas. They're, they're, they're now saying that you're a, you're a hate, uh, you're, you're someone who, who belongs in this group of people who hate other people. And I don't think that that's the case. I think, you know, if you say all Muslims deserve to die, that's a hate group, right? That's somebody who's saying hate speech. If you're saying there should be no Muslims allowed into our country— again, I think you should be put on that, you know, on that group. That's fine. But when you say— the ideas that Islam has lead to violence. That's not a hate group. That's just an observation, and it's a, and it's a, it's an observation that is that is played out by the facts. I mean, you look at a place like like Saudi Arabia, where they have Sharia law. They have things where you know you can. They have a they have a, a witch hunting group of people who go out and like literally hunt witches and throw people in jail. They yeah. they as an atheist blogger, we're going to yeah. talk about later who did tweets on the internet and he, he had, he had tweeted some things and he's going to get 2000 lashes and 10 years in prison in Saudi Arabia. Right. That's a violent idea. That's a, that's, it's a violent idea that should be condemned. It's interesting to watch the criticisms about Islam. I know that even our president plays, he's obviously, I, my opinion, my, um, it's a guess is that when he says things like we are not at war with Islam, right? He's, he, he will often say in very public forums that, you know, Islam's really not the reason we're going after ISIS. 
it's not they they don't represent true Islam those types yeah. of things. And I think I understand why he does that. I think you don't put two oh, billion sure. people on the defensive in in the chess game of global politics by just calling out their religion. I I, I think he probably knows it's bullshit and that it's damaging. But I, I my guess is he's playing a longer game. But Ian Hirsi Ali actually says, well, read the damn Quran, people. Yeah. You know, Muhammad was a pedophile. It's, you know, all of this stuff is being justified scripturally. The problem is Islam. She's taken a harder line. And I think that's uncomfortable for some people. The president can't, the president realistically, I mean, the man's a politician. That's his actual job is to be political. This idea that the president can act, or any politician really, um, on a global stage, can act on their personal beliefs is asinine, right? They should not be doing that. They should be acting to further our national agenda and our national best interests. That's not going to happen if you piss off 2 billion people, you know, a, a, a not insignificant, some of whom get pissy if you draw the wrong picture. So, uh, it, like, I totally get it. Like, I wouldn't. You know, if, if I was standing up in front of the country, too, I would be like, yeah, we're not at war with Islam. It just so happens some of the people we are at war with believe in Islam, right? You yeah. have to draw that distinction. And I actually think that that's an entirely fair distinction to draw. But it is also the case that if we are talking about things from, you know, the standpoint of, you know, hey, let's let's separate the intellectual idea from the human being who holds the idea, we can be as critical as we want of ideas. We should be deeply deeply irreverently critical of ideas that is not necessarily the same thing as being and we should we can i even think you can hate bad ideas i think you can hate a bad idea with all the force of hate that you have in your heart and there's nothing wrong with that i hate the idea of of uh, racism i think it's a horrifying idea there's nothing in the idea of uh, of of racism that uh, draws me anything other than hate and i feel comfortable with that i feel okay with that we should hate terrible ideas that do terrible injustices to fellow human beings, right? We shouldn't give them any quarter. Bad ideas should be destroyed from their foundation. Even, even if the SPLC felt that, that these two were guilty of really bad speech, I agree with Penn Jillette that the, the cure for bad speech is more speech. So, yeah. you know, by yeah. tarring and feathering them publicly, you know, I, especially because they are not, you know, they're not the clan. You know, they're, yeah. they're not lynching people in the streets. They're not, they are going after an ideology. And, and trust me, you know, Ayan Hirsi Ali had a razor blade taken to her genitals in the name of Allah. She's yeah. earned the right to criticize Islam. <laughs> right? No shit. Right? <laughs> no shit. Right? <laughs> well, and one of the things that's weird about this, um, the Southern Poverty Law Center thing that, you know, they're anti-Muslim extremists. That what they, That's what they they label them as and one of the one of the bullet points they have for majid is they say nawaz who was described himself as a feminist was filmed repeatedly trying to touch a naked lap dancer according to april 10th 2015 report in the daily mail the paper apparently got the security film of the owner of the strip club who was incensed by nawaz's claims to be a religious muslim like what does that have to do with being an, a, a, an anti-muslim extremist like all you're doing is just you're just like smearing the guy's character, character for no reason, right? Yeah. He's just kind of drifting to me. It's totally off. To, I mean, I, I understand his character may come into play overall. It's like if, if you're watching Donald Trump run for president, his character oh. and his behavior outside oh. of a specific topic may relate to how he might handle specific topics. Yeah. yeah. But uh, this to me seems a little bit like a witch hunt. It just seems like it's, a, it's an effort to distract when what's on the table is Islam, the idea of Islamic 
uh, fundamentalism, Islamic radicalism, and is the idea of reforming Islam to be more civilized and more peaceful in the 21st century really the actions of a hate group or or a hateful person and i just completely disagree so it's tragic and it doesn't look like the splc is going to change it looks like they're doubling down perhaps yeah, public pressure yeah. will will change that but right now they just seem to be digging in so yeah that's what it looked like it's to me it cost I, them a fortune i do want i do want to play devil's advocate here just for a moment and uh and talk a little bit about um the some of the things that they bring up about both of their paths right so like on the southern poverty law center talks about both of these people and their past and how it seems that they have like told some falsehoods and some tall tales about their situations in both of the places that they lived. Right. So, um, they talk, uh, they, and these are, these are, uh, things that some of the, that a couple of them have already admitted. And then there, you know, so, so there is some falsehoods in their past that they have, they have talked about. And so one of the things I wonder is, are they, are they using fear of Islam to sort of further their own, own agendas, whether that be popularity or wealth, and then exaggerating about their own hardships sort of to get sympathy from people who are they're looking to criticize Islam? You know, they're actually looking to criticize Islam and they're looking to get sympathy in that, in that sense. Do you think that maybe that's the avenue that, I mean, if we're trying to be generous, do you think that that's the avenue that they might be going down? <sighs> I don't know. You know, I, I think I've, I've read Ayan's book, um, uh, Infidel, and I'm familiar with the fact that she fabricated much of her story in, in the Netherlands and yeah. has accepted responsibility for that. I look at my own situation if I had been escaping Somalia or I think she went uh, ended up in Kenya and she was sort of pinballing through with her father to yeah, various yeah, locations. Yeah. If I was essentially in exile looking for a place to land, would I fudge my resume to be able to get into another country? Well, right. I, I couldn't say that I would not. You know, I, yeah, I, I myself, I don't want to, I don't want to equivocate or excuse too much. But I also think that, you know, I was born in the heartland of one of the freest places on planet Earth. I don't know what I would do if I was trying to escape fundamentalism in that way. Um, you know, you try to escape fundamentalism in in Oklahoma, and you know, you just skip the buffet. Uh, after Sunday church, and, you, and you're pretty good. <laughs> well, I, I will say I would definitely fudge. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll just I'll just tell you the straight honest truth. Like, I would fucking I would fudge the shit out of that. I yeah, mean, I, I I wouldn't even think twice about. It. I wouldn't think once about it to to escape a. Absolutely. I think in the larger picture, we're looking at a person who has put themselves on the line to such a degree that there is nowhere she can go on planet Earth without armed guards. I mean, a portion of her life and life freedom, despite the celebrity that she enjoys, and she does have that, we have to say, she is a want. She's on the wanted posters all around the world. And she is walking with one eye always looking around to see who might be coming after her. She has paid a tremendous price for the things that she has said with conviction about her former religion. So I don't buy this, ah, you know, she fudged her resume so she could go out and, and be this megastar. Well, she certainly is famous, but I, don't, I think she might have gotten famous and then disappeared from the radar if she was just a flash in the pan. But because she has said and done so much of substance, she remains relevant in the year 2016, more than a decade after her activism really began. And I think that says something about her. You know, it doesn't it say something, too, about the validity of her stance. If, if folks following Islamic traditions were not following a violent set of ideas, she wouldn't need armed guards. Right. Yeah. It's just the, the very fact that she even needs to the, the fact that she's going to walk around in fear for her life um, 
I mean, doesn't that doesn't that tell you something immediately that like, oh, well, maybe there's something to this? Because if there was nothing to this, then clearly she would not be in any danger, and she is very much in danger. Yeah, you know, we know that we know that it is a dangerous thing to criticize Islam in certain parts <laughs> right. of the world. If you're in Bangladesh, yeah. You're fucking shit out of luck. Those bloggers, yeah, those bloggers, yeah. they're, they're dropping like flies. It, I mean, it's it's insane. They, I mean, they're getting hacked to death left and right. It's it's not funny at all. It's it's horrifying. Yeah, there are parts of the world murdered. where you know, like you had mentioned earlier, like in Saudi Arabia, you, you tweet the wrong thing. Ayan Hirsi Ali, you know, she's got like you said, she's got a, a she's got security concerns that are you know ab- absurd by any reasonable measure of privacy that that the rest of us would enjoy walking around i've never understood it's, you know you're talking about a god who is who gets weird about what people say I, I, the idea that people in radical islam have gone to such extremes to flip out to riot in the streets and to carry on and to carry out fatwas and death threat, threats and all that in the name of a god who pretty much has it handled in the first place makes right. no sense to me essentially you are betraying that you think your God is is too weak or insecure yeah. or yeah. inept to handle the whole vengeance thing. I mean, who better to handle vengeance than God, right? <laughs> no kidding, right? <laughs> and, and instead, He's got a whole place dedicated to you it. You know, you're the one who has to go out like you know, you're you're the number one. You know, you're the the muscle in the Bond movie, and he's like. Uh, spec, you know, the guy from Spectre or Goldfinger or whatever, you know, I, I do not understand this. If you really believed in, in the omnipotence and the yeah. just nature of your God and that your God can just handle it, you'd just sit back and watch the fireworks. You would need to do and say nothing. Makes no sense right. to me. So, yeah. yeah. Your whole life would be that Michael Jackson popcorn gift. You'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Here yeah, we go. Exactly. <laughs> your ass is fucked over now, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to, the last thing I would like to talk about, though, with this is I think, I think that a nuanced stance on Islam and other issues, too is a hard stance to take, right? And I feel like a lot of times people will paint you into a corner um, and just like the Southern Poverty Law Center here is, is saying, you know, like, because if you're saying anything about Islam is bad, then they're saying, well, then you're basically saying all of Islam is bad. And and so there's just no way to have this nuanced stance. And we find this in a lot of yeah. different places, yeah. and a lot, especially when it comes to feminism, when it comes to uh, social, like justice, earlier, social issues. justice issues, yeah. like you talked about earlier with um, trigger warnings and things like that. It's hard to have a nuanced stance there. It feels like no Pro matter con, what, man. you've yeah. got to take a side, damn yeah. it. You've got to take a side. And it feels like the Southern Poverty Law Center just drew a line in the sand and said, well, this is the side we're going to be on. This is one of the reasons why it's difficult for me, especially on YouTube. I did a whole show on it on for me to go and read a comment section. Because what happens is, is people seem to be only operating at the extreme swings of yep. the pendulum. I think we we were doing a show. This was last year after my laptop was stolen out of my rental car in San Francisco. And I was just, you know, I left it in the car for five minutes and went upstairs and came back and somebody busted out the window and stole it. Well, it turned into a teaching moment where we started to talk about, you know, <laughs> how did this happen? Was it really my fault? It was a stupid idea to leave it in the car. And are there some people out there who truly live parasitic lives? And I've, I'm at that point in my life when I think, you know, I've met people, we've all met people who would rather take than give, who would rather destroy than create, who would rather suck the marrow out of someone else's life than yeah. go out and try to be something of their own. And so yeah, I- that's I, the Eli Bosnick story, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I read that on the Yik Yak. So I say something along these lines. We all know someone who would rather 
take what belong the hard work, the efforts, the sacrifice, the risk of someone else than to go out and risk and sacrifice and work to build and create for themselves. I think it's a fair statement. It's not a non it's not yeah. an uncompassionate statement. And so what happened was I'm barraged with people going, you hate poor people and all the people who steal things. You 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 don't know the circumstance of the person who stole your laptop. You don't know uh, what they're back. Maybe they were abused or maybe they were this or maybe that. You don't care. You're not compassionate. And they just went off into oblivion. And I'm sitting there, you know, drool coming out of my mouth. I have no idea what to do with this. Because I, I'm a compassionate guy who who wants to be charitable, who wants to help the disadvantaged. I wasn't making a statement about the whole of human condition. I was I was talking about it, an ilk of people that exist that we all know exist. Yeah, but, right. But for sure. no one, no one does nuance. You said it perfectly. Nuance is so difficult in a binary culture. It's yes, no, yeah. one, zero, black, white, all, nothing. It makes it very hard to have a conversation, you know? It, well, it, my God, yeah. man, on YouTube, <laughs> like, I, 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 I mean, that is... YouTube, YouTube is, is the death YouTube, of hope. Yeah, that's it's so funny because we, we we had you on our show a while back and we were talking about YouTube being like the, the where where discourse goes to die. Oh, we already talked about you, oh, it's already it yeah. must be on my mind all the time. Yeah, uh, it's, and then and then we came on your show and you posted to YouTube and people savaged us. They hated us it was so, so much. Funny. They were so mad. And it was specifically because we said, yeah, yeah, I guess we're feminists, and people were like, holy shit, I hate your wife. And we're just like, well. Um, we just, we weren't talking about like, you know, like crazy feminism. Like, and that's the thing is the problem is you can't be nuanced. Yeah, I right. can't say I'm a feminist. And then and that immediately means that, you know, that you I agree am, with everything I, any woman has yeah, ever said. Well, ever, right? Or I agree or, with yeah, anything right. that is labeled feminist. Right. right. And it's, that's not the right. case. I don't. And the same thing goes for, you know, when it comes to trigger warnings, right. When it, I, like, I don't agree with all trigger warnings. Like, I think some of them are just ridiculous. Like when there's like trigger warning bunnies or something, like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's stupid. Right. But I, for example, I just got back from England. I was at Stonehenge and on the audio guide when I was going out there, I was coming back in and they're like, and when you go inside, you could check out this stuff. And by the way, um, there's human remains in the exhibit. Like, just so you know, there's human remains in the exhibit. And it didn't bother me at all. I was going to go check it out anyway. I wanted to go see the skeletons from really, really long time ago. It'd be kind of cool. But that might bother some people. The people that it doesn't bother don't care. The people that it does bother, they avoid the exhibit. Nobody's hurt in that process, right? I don't care that there was a trigger warning to tell me that there was human remains at like at the museum at Stonehenge. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt me in any way. But it's just one of those things that it feels like it feels like um, you know, there's no way that I can be like, I, if I'm, if I'm on the internet now, I have to say I'm hundred percent for trigger warnings or I'm hundred percent against trigger warnings. I can't just be like, yeah, can I just do this on a case by case yeah, basis? Sometimes they're appropriate. Yeah. Fuck you. Take yeah, a side. Exactly. Waffler, you're waffling. We went to, I don't know, this has been years ago to the bodies exhibit. You ever seen that thing where they, they take this uh, weird body world. It's like a, a. I don't know. They take some sort of pl uh, rubber plastic polymer thing and, yeah, and they, yeah, yeah. they were dissolve awesome. they the were skin. It yeah, is, yeah. It is yeah. an educational tour. To, it sounds like a joke. It is an educational tour de force. It is amazing the stuff that you see. Yeah. Well, there's a section of the body's exhibit where they do fetuses, right? And they have a warning up. And this was back before the whole trigger warning thing was, was going on. And it's like, you know, you're going to see this in this room. It's a special section. Just FYI, there are people who might find this disturbing and may not want to go in. Oh, I think that's not only fair. I think it's common courtesy. Yeah, sure. I totally agree with you, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, even, if, even if you went to go see a Body Worlds or Bodies exhibit or whatever they were calling it by, by you, but you're going to see it, like, if you maybe just 
fucking miscarried last week, that might not be the thing you want to see. Thank exactly, you very much, right? right? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's a total, and it doesn't cost anybody anything to put that warning but out. But for some people, yeah. it becomes a soapbox. Oh, this country's so sensitive people these days. Well, this whole thing's going crazy, and, and they automatically, I, I say, I said a couple of days ago on, uh, we were talking, I think, about feminism, and I'm like, there are so many people who can't separate fact from fringe, right? Yeah. They will That's criticize me for being... Yeah. Aligning with feminism, right? The definition of feminism. And then they go, you're wrong, you're wrong. You've, you've spun off the rails. You've lost your mind. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, tell me which of my positions that you disagree with specifically. Yep. Yep. And then they're like, they just tilt. Yeah. They cannot yeah. come up with one because they don't yep. know before they criticize. They just yep. assume, right. you know? We had a we had a woman by the name of uh, Karen Garst. She's the she goes, she goes by the the moniker Faithless Feminist, and she came out with a book. And so we had her on the show, and we talked to her. And then the show posted to YouTube, and the, I named the I named the episode Faithless Feminist because that was our guest. And uh, and somebody on YouTube commented, "Well, that's another show I can't listen to anymore. So, uh, it looks like cognitive dissonance <laughs> has gone away." And I said, and I was like, "Oh well, you know." Uh, I guess, you know, other thoughts are scary. So take care. Buddy, you know, <laughs> don't listen. Don't think about other stuff. And he comes back and I said, go hide under your rock. And he was like, he was like, oh, can I borrow one from the social justice warriors? And I was like, oh, you didn't even listen to the episode. You see, Pete Bogosian got her her book deal. Pete Bogosian, the guy who attacks third wave feminists all the time on Twitter <laughs> is the guy who got her her book deal. And you're, you didn't even listen. All you did was read the word feminist and you shit your pants. Like that's all that happened was you saw the word and now you attack me. He never even bothered to listen. He just wanted, he saw the word feminist and attacked. And that's, and that's a real problem that we have. And I, and, and I really do feel like it, it leads back into this Southern Poverty Law Center thing. I mean, I really do feel like, you know, there's no way you can have a stance that is, you know, I disagree with, with the, the ideas of Islam and you'll, no matter what, you're going to have a Ben Affleck telling you that's racist and gross. And it ignores the fact that the vast majority of the people who are oppressed by radical Islam are Muslims themselves. Right. right. And so, yeah. you know, you find Ayan Hirsi Ali and Majid Nawaz, are, they're advocates for Muslims. The people they are trying to help and rescue are very often Muslim people who are in moderate or even peaceful Muslim cultures who are trying to escape or under the boot of radicalism. It totally ignores the hugely complex waters that is Islam across the planet. And it's my hope that the SPLC will one day wake up, you know, like uh, like it was all a bad dream. We're very sorry. You know, we were we were we didn't take our meds. We apologize. Yeah. The intern accidentally posted that. We're real sorry. Jill, get over here. What are you God damn it? And if they'll do if they will come forward at some point and, and reset and say, you know what, we made a mistake and it was an honest mistake. We we felt at the moment we were doing the right thing. We were operating with a bad idea, distorted yeah. perception. We we want to yeah. reverse and make this right. If they were to do that, I honestly think people have an enormous capacity to to forgive and understand. And then they would then rally behind the SPLC's other worthy endeavors. And I think that would be a, an amazing rallying point for them. Yeah, for sure. And if they do not, I think they only diminish their credibility in the arena of ideas and and everybody loses. You know, it's very people, tragic. So You know, it, people are very, very... Uh, um, forgiving when you come out and apologize. But when you double down, sometimes sometimes that can be really problematic. When they feel and, that you know, you're in a corner and there was nowhere else to go and you yeah. only apologize because you would be ruined otherwise, it's harder and harder for people to sort of extend yeah. the olive branch the other way. Definitely. Yeah. Pretty. But, you know, I, I got to say, like, I, I wonder if this isn't 
you know, we're we're here and we're talking about this and we're saying, you know, I think this is a bad idea for the Southern Poverty Law Center because, you know, there it, it doesn't reflect the nuance and it doesn't reflect the reality of Ayan Harsiali's work or Majid Nawaz's work. Um, but there are, you know, I, I wonder if we're in the minority of the voices. I wonder if Southern Poverty Law Center will come under, you know, the kind of criticism that will come under will be balanced, of course, by the people who, as we just discussed, will be all on one side or all on the other. There's a ton of people out there who, you know, they're on the other side, the side called, you know, because, I mean, we've all seen the same thing too, where, you know, unfortunately, nothing is no true Scotsman like, like criticizing Islam, right? You know, somebody can come out and 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 yell, "I am doing this for the Prophet Muhammad," yeah, no and that is specifically the reason. Please do not misunderstand the reason that I'm doing it. I wrote it down here, and then yeah. they'll then they'll commit some horrifyingly heinous act, and then again they will repeat. And just so we're very very clear about my intention and my driving motivation with respect to the violence I have just committed, it was specifically for Islam. And then the people. Will be like they wasn't he wasn't he wasn't a muslim he wasn't a true muslim he wasn't real because yeah. nobody fucking no true scotsman's in an apologetic way the way some of these guys no true scotsman the, yeah. the muslim well, issue look at right? cj whirlman he, he, he apologizes for right? every and greenwald right. they apologize for every single thing and then when anything comes out they're like see other people can be violent well right. and, and i'm glad like, you brought yeah. cj up you know it's funny cj opened for a speech that i'd had years and years ago when when i was in california and he and i were friends and and he had named me did he a, write the speech <laughs> oh, he did shit. not <laughs> It's, oh, shots fired. He was, uh, he, I'm just going to skip right over it. I'm going to wait. I'm not taking the bait. This is a comedy I'm show. I'm taking the bait. Um, <laughs> you like, you search, you search like one word and it comes up from Wikipedia. Like, I'm not, I'm not taking that bait. It's not taking it. Come on, Seth, we want to make plagiarism jokes. You got to join in. Uh. The best thing is I didn't even write that joke. Someone else did. <laughs> Stole it from Eli Bostic. I wrote like a 4,500-word uh, review of his book, The New Atheist Threat. We talked about the plagiarism thing and, and the credibility problems that he's had. But the problem with the SPLC is what they've done is they've in, they empowered and enabled CJ and and, yeah. and those guys. I mean, they've essentially put yeah. some more bullets in the gun so that they can go, yeah, see, hate, hate, hate. It's racism. Right. It's bigotry and whatnot. It's Islamophobia and whatnot. Yeah. I'm, I, Sarah Hader is part of a big event that we're doing in Dallas. Our 300th broadcast is coming up. She's one of the co-founders of Ex-Muslims of North America. And she did something interesting, and I joined in and many others have, where she has said she's hashtagged on Twitter, SPLC, add me too. Oh, yeah. Saying yeah, that, you know awesome. what, if if these people are hate uh, filled extremists, if that's the definition that you're using, yeah. then you know Jeez. what? Call me one as well. And people enough. are starting to line up. And so I did the same. I'm like, fine, SPLC, add me too. If these people are hate speakers, yeah. fine. Uh, that must be me as well. Right. So. Ready to stick it in the glory hole? Get links to their Facebook, Twitter, and if you still use it, Google Plus account at their website, dissonancepod.com. If you need to be all discreet about it, contact them by email at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a ransom message at 740-74-DOUBT. That's 740-743-6828. Want to hear Cognitive Dissonance commercial free and gain access to exclusive content, including full patron-only shows? Head to patreon.com forward slash dissonance pod. 
and become a patron to support the show on a per-episode basis. Love commercials? Not ready to become a patron? Give the guys a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher. Or tell your buddies in the drunk tank about the show. We want to send a big sloppy glory hole to all the patrons and people who rate us. You fucking rock. Well, I want to I want to talk a little bit, um, you know, while we got you here tomorrow. Uh, this is releasing on Monday. So tomorrow is Election Day. And uh, we just wanted to talk to you, get your thoughts a little bit. Just a, just a touch. We're not going to go super in-depth. It's skeptical. What, what is, it's political. What is, what is, what's Ugh. your thoughts on this, this election cycle so far? Well, I'm, I'm genuinely terrified by the... the I, I don't... I mean, I get the popularity of Donald Trump. I understand how it happens. But I don't get it. At the same time, you know, do you guys know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like, oh, yeah. you understand <laughs> the cultural shifts that have happened. People are fed up and they're pissed off. And and we're talking about, it's like dealing with Christians who know the Bible is true and couldn't tell you who wrote any one of the 66 books and they can't quote really more than three verses. Like, they don't know what it is, but they know it's true. Well, they sort of do the same thing with Fox News. They sort of do many of the same things with a lot of the God and country, gun culture, all the founding fathers were Christians. Uh, let's get back to our roots. We need to be the only great country in the world who gives a shit what any of the other nations are doing. It's all about us, us, us. We're number one, big foam finger waving in the sky. You know, I mean, the guy in the red ball cap who looks powerful, who says exactly what he thinks, you know, the thinking out there seems to be, you know, he's a total asshole, but he's our asshole. Yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just, I'm terrified of... A culture that would embrace a man like that. I'm not a Hillary Clinton fan. I'm going to vote for her. Yeah, uh, I think you know she's the better candidate by far. I think Sam Harris and I probably line up. I don't think she's a great candidate, but I, I you know, if, if look, if you've got a car wreck that that injures two or kills a hundred, you know, I'm, I'll take. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That is that is straight true, man. Uh, I mean, that's all like oh, I don't know where God. you guys land on on the whole election thing. Oh, we're but... both Trump supporters. Oh, good lord! <laughs> don't I will come over there. I will. I will end you. Oh, my friend. About I just Trump watched he... a five minute yeah. video somebody spent splicing together all the times that Donald Trump said China, and that's all the whole video is is China, 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 China. China, China. It, I watched the whole thing. I watched it front to back. It was fascinating. <laughs> that's great. That's a, that's an even bigger waste of time than watching a gif of some guy climbing a pole. <laughs> this is what I do to relax. My wife calls it bubblegum for the brain. This is what oh, I do. Oh, that's amazing. So. We, we both stand up. I think, you know, we were Bernie supporters. We really like the sort of radicalism that Bernie brought in. Yeah, me too. Um, I like Bernie and, Sanders and we, very much. We, went, we enjoyed his fire. We thought he was a fiery. And one of the best parts, one of the best parts for Tom and I is when he would talk to the media, especially during the primary, and they would try to get him to talk about Clinton. He would say, I'm not going to answer that question. Talk to me about my policy. Talk to me about her policy. But I'm not going to answer a question about like whether or not I like her hair or whatever. You know? <laughs> now, did people and flip just, out, though? Did they come after yeah. you and go, socialism, socialism? Because 
you know, it, it became this sort of, I don't know if it was a distraction, but it, it was almost, they were arguing against the caricature of socialist programs. Yeah. Um, I We noticed that there was a little pushback there, but more more often than not, people got mad when we criticized Bernie. Yeah, if we didn't we, like everything If we didn't like everything, if you didn't be like, no, his shit smells like roses. <laughs> like, it's the best smelling poo I've ever smelled. Like, if you didn't say that, people yeah, would be like right. super pissed about it. I remember I criticized this commercially at a commercial that came out and I was like that is a terrible commercial like I didn't really enjoy it at all I didn't think it was good it felt really hokey and good and it didn't feel like sort of it didn't come with the sort of the tenor of his campaign and people like really just sent us a bunch of messages and said you need to be more careful with what you say people are listening to you and I'm just like nobody should listen to me about who to vote for (laughs) I'm an idiot like don't listen to me research what the hell um, but yeah we're both uh, we're both uh, uh, we were both in Bernie's camp but then when Hillary got the nod you know, we definitely, you know, there wasn't anybody in the Republican camp, I think, this time around that, except for maybe Case, <laughs> that is wasn't Kasich, horrifying, you mean? Kasich, <laughs> yeah. Whatever his yeah, name is. But yeah. that guy, that guy, He's maybe. Too. But for most of them, they were all terrifying. <clears throat> they were all just these weird, scary people. Ted Cruz is just a weird, scary guy. Ben Carson Rubio. was a gift. I mean, ben the guy Carson's has a amazing. picture of Jesus kind of rubbing his shoulders in there. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's, that's yeah. what we had as options. Oh, he, he thought that that they stored grain in the pyramids. I mean, <laughs> he was outstanding. He was as a, outstanding. As a comedy show, yeah. he was one of the best things that's... I mean, he was one of the best things that's happened since Sarah Palin yeah. for a comedy show like ours. Yeah. Um, but it's terrifying that he stood up on a stage with 15 other people and American citizens actually had to think, hmm, maybe that's my guy. Yeah. Of all that, we well, got 370 million people in this country and the 15 that they could put up on that stage... Ended it with Donald Trump. Yeah. Well, I know it was terrifying. I think, um, you know, like I had questions about Bernie was talking about making college free. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm like, yeah, nothing's really free. So where does that come from exactly? And, And I want some specifics. I'm I'm a private business, private enterprise kind of guy. I'm. I'm a, you know, I, I support the right of people to go out and work hard and take risks and be rewarded for that. So it's not like I want us to go straight up socialism, but I, you know, there were some questions I had about, about some of Bernie's positions, but overall, I think what he said made a lot of sense. I think communities do have an obligation to support its citizens, you know, and a lot of the people I saw who were freaking out about socialism are the same people who, you know, they drive on highways and roads and they, you know, they enjoy the protection of the police and, and, you know, they use the, 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 you know, they drive over bridges and, and, and those types of things that are supported through a socialist sort of construct. Their kids go to public schools. Well, you know, that's essentially the kind of thing we're talking about. Um, and I, I lamented a little bit because he was, you know, where Donald Trump is positioning himself as the rogue and the outsider, which is just the most ludicrous thing I've ever seen. Bernie actually sort of is a rogue. Yeah, He's, yeah. And he has been, I think, a, an advocate for human rights and, and other important issues for decades. I thought he would have made a great president. So now this is sort of what we're stuck with. I, I don't know how the election's going to shake out. You know, Trump gets a bump after this, uh, apparently a, a poll bump after this email thing happens. Yeah. I have no idea what to make of it. Well, um, I have the, no idea how much to trust the polls. Yeah. Oh, and the popular vote poll right now is scary. It's a, I mean, it's 45 to like 45. 42 or something. I mean, it's a scary close. The Electoral College, of course, doesn't look like that. Like the polls that I've seen, the yeah, Electoral, the electoral college, college looks very different. Much better. Um, side. But but the the actual polling results, when you talk about popular vote, I'm actually scared 
of that. I mean, really, that many people in this country think that that guy, you know, that guy who's ready to, you know, use nuclear weapons if necessary. I mean, there's so much that this guy is willing to do. I'm terrified of Trump being a president. Yeah, terrified. You know, the thing that scares me is less Trump, although I I can't even believe I'm saying that out loud because I've been screaming about that guy since he started this game. But but I've I've really come around to thinking that what is what is more scary is that there's 42 percent of Americans that see Trump and think that's that's the guy that's yeah, that's you our know because because one guy's a flash in the pan you know yeah. like one guy can captivate people one guy can you know can be that big cult of personality and drive um you know you know what I mean that can collect that can collect a group of people but. And I believe that during the primary, that didn't surprise me too much during the primary because the, you know, the angry, bitter white male vote is not terribly difficult to capture. Um, but the the idea that forty two percent of Americans, which now you know is a much more inclusive group of people, it's it's expanded. Like you you're not you're not look when you're looking at the general and you're looking at numbers like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about independence. A lot of independence. Like in there. this is forty two percent of Americans who don't value intellect. Clearly, clearly, nobody could yeah. nobody can look at Donald Trump and think that is a man of great and towering intellect. It's not possible. Um, clearly, the, these forty two percent of Americans look at Donald Trump and think, you know, I don't value in a leader honesty. I don't value in a leader consistency. I don't value in a leader, um, you know, I mean, really anything that I would consider yeah. a significant leadership quality other than just sheer angry force of will. The man is nothing but a force of will. Everything else it, is id. I yeah. think it brings a uh, the question too. If you see someone who has existed in a in pretty much a dictatorial bubble for his his life, yeah. When he yeah. says jump, yeah. everybody everybody says how high. Everybody says when or how high or they're gone or whatever. So he ends up in a position where compromise is king, where he's not the biggest ego in the room. You know, I, there's this narrative that he's just going to show up and world leaders are going to be like, oh, Donald's here, give him whatever he wants. Uh, you know, he's like, oh, I'll make the best trade deals. Well, it, that is like a bumper sticker, but it it sort of negates the idea, uh, the reality that he's going to be walking in with world leaders who are going to have interests of their own, who oh, aren't yeah. going to kowtow and swoon and do all the things that his fans and followers are doing. I've actually had the conversation that if he goes into the presidency, if, let's say he wins, it's a four-year presidency, oh. would he last the four, would he ultimately come to a point where he wasn't getting his way all the time he was having to compromise where he just it turned into a wine fest and then he just threw in the towel and said i'll screw this blamed everybody else and left before the end of the first that term would i wouldn't amazing. put him past him wow so yeah that and that's quit a like po- a pope it's possible <laughs> <laughs> he'd go all rats and burger yeah, exactly. on that thing <laughs> whatever man i'm out of here actually i'm here i'm just staying i'm divinely anointed by god yeah. pass <laughs> do you guys think that Truly qualified people run. Do you guys think that any tr- most truly qualified leaders would subject themselves to the political process? I mean, every aspect of your life is ripped open and analyzed by the pundits. And yeah, except for your tax returns. Do most truly qualified leaders submit themselves to that, or do they just go off somewhere else to be successful in on their own terms? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, it, you know, I, I hear what you're saying because if I take that same level of talent and energy and education and leadership, and I just apply it to the private sector, well, I get to keep all of my. I get. I, I'm going to be wildly successful. I'm going to be financially, you know, well off, and I get to keep my personal life. 
Yeah, your so reputation you, doesn't become sport for right. everybody trying to make a yeah, name for yeah. themselves. And out that there, time you know? got that weird massage never comes out. You know what I mean? Like it's just like you get to keep <laughs> that, that on a <laughs> one time. Yeah, that one time. We call that Tuesday. <laughs> wow. Bring me my usual girl. <laughs> well, I don't know what to expect. I, I just think uh, I think if Trump wins, one thing you do know. Uh, I'm a little terrified of what social media is going to be on November 8th. Yeah. Um, oh, it's going to be great. It, it's, it, there <laughs> will be friends be lost. The there will be families ripped apart. There will yeah. be, uh, there's going to be hate and death all over the, every thread. You know, it's going to be interesting to see it all come together. So the thing that I'm looking forward to the most, I truly believe he's going to lose. I, I think he's going to lose. I actually think he's going to lose very badly on an electoral college level. Um, I think he's going to get fucking owned. And when that happens, the thing that I want so much, and I have wanted this for so long now, is I want to hear that giant Oompa Loompa man baby <laughs> give a concession speech that is the least gracious thing. <laughs> because you know that man does not know how to lose with grace. Yeah. And yeah, he has he no dignity. Uh, and I, I, this sounds funny to some. I think Hillary Clinton would, I think she, in many ways, would be a great president. I think she brings, yeah, sure. she's got genuine leadership ability. I think she's whip smart. I think she is, it would be historic to have her in there. I think she does speak the language of, of politics on the world stage. You know, I saw just a, a an hour ago a meme on the internet about something about her emails and the the photo image, the doctored photo image of her on the story literally had fangs and these <laughs> satan eyes. And I think to myself, you know, this is the narrative, right? Uh, Hitlery, killery, Benghazi. She yeah. she she revels yeah. in the death of our citizens. She she is in the pockets of of all these Middle Eastern powers. She would sell us out in a heartbeat. She 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 hates America, you know. And I think to myself, talk about a binary sort of way of looking at things. I there's only an extreme for some people, and I. I look at Hillary, I think, I don't see someone who doesn't love her country. I don't see someone who, yeah. I think she's hugely ambitious, who probably used her position to to become wildly rich and famous and powerful, sure. But I I, I also know that it's like the foundation, the, the, uh, the Clinton Foundation under scrutiny, rightfully so, but it's also done a tremendous, tremendous amount of wonderful good out there yeah. with a great yeah. deal of that money going to help people. I mean, that's a nuanced look at the Clinton Foundation, but there's no room for it in the discussion nope. out there. Nope. Uh, but I, I think if she's elected, I, I won't be unhappy. You know, I would certainly yeah. support that. So I think she'll be an amazing president, actually, because hmm. she is not because I agree with all of her policy positions, but I think of all the presidents that we have had in recent memory, she will be able to get a tremendous amount done. She is a person who has proven over the course of 30 years, people have been trying to destroy her politically for 30 years, and they've been unsuccessful. And she has risen to this point despite incredible opposition, absolutely incredible and constant opposition. I think in the game of politics, she is a master. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think agree. when it comes to getting some shit done, she will be able to get some shit done. Will it be a bunch of backroom horse trading? Hells yes, it's going to be some backroom <laughs> horse trading, but that's what politics is. Yeah. Are you just guaranteed that the YouTube comment section will once again rain down upon you with that last <laughs> man, diatribe? Bring it. You're just saying, uh, bring it. So, Seth, before we let you go, we want to talk. We, first, we want to give you some accolades because you raised, you you wound up raising 15400 
$45 thus far for Camp Quest this year. Tell us about the uh, the fundraiser that you put together. Well, you know, I'm a big Camp Quest fan. I was raised around Bible camp. They ran, the big one around here is Falls Creek. And we did a whole broadcast about superstitious summer camps where these people go out to, you know, you're supposed to go out and canoe and raft and rock climb and, and, uh, and you know, have be young, play games, make friends, make memories, and instead they drag you to service in the morning and another service in the midday and another one in the evening. And there's a lot of weird sort of faith exercises, and there's an altar call every five minutes. And and there's some of these summer camps are just crazy. They just do they rounded. We had some stories of people rounded up by people in hoods who were actually Jesus. the camp counselors, and they brought them in to show them what it would be like to be to be persecuted for Jesus. And so they had him sleeping on concrete floors and they what put him the under what? these, these car headlights and had him oh shouted at bullhorns and guilted them into dropping to their knees to accept Jesus Christ. I mean, just some crazy extreme stuff out there, but even just the, the less extreme, it's not about summer camp. It's not about being a child. It's about indoctrination. That's yeah. what many of the church camps are about. Camp quest being such a great alternative where you get to go and just be who you are. You get to discover and make memories and make friends and have a, a ton of fun. And so we thought it'd be a great chance to get together and try to help them. So we raised about $15,000 thanks to the generosity of our community I went out and shot some video on Daryl Ray's ranch with many of the families who had participated and some of the kids who'd gone. And they're just, they just lit up on camera and they were talking about what an amazing life-changing thing it was. And I would encourage people, if, if you've been burned by church camp and you'd like to support an alternative that just is about the kids, you know, whoever you are, be that, come, have a good time. They're religious kids. Their parents send them to this camp because they know, the parents know, that camp is supposed to be about fun and not about altar calls huh. and beating them over the head with the Bible. Wow. And uh, so that's why we did it. And I'm sure we'll we'll come to their uh, to, to their side again to raise some money probably in the future as well. Wow, that's great. Great. Really cool. So uh, I want to talk a little bit too about your 300th episode that's going to be live in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, What's going three, on with that? 300 shows, it's hard to believe. I yeah. started in July of 2010. I come from FM radio. I did 14 years in broadcasting in my hometown and left to be a video Can't producer. Can't tell from your voice at all. Yeah, I yeah, know. <laughs> the phlegm factor really has helped me over the years. It's funny. <laughs> but, you know, I, radio, by and large, is a shrinking business, especially in the age of the Internet where there are so many podcast options and streaming options. People can choose what they want to listen to. Fewer and fewer people are listening to the AMFM radio band out there. And so what I saw was... People, radio legends were getting handed a pink slip, many of them in their 50s, and they were essentially having to start their careers over. So I left radio in 2004 thinking, well, that's it. You know, I'll never get a chance to be a broadcaster like this again. I'll never get a chance to be a storyteller like this again. And I left radio, went into video production for 10 years. And I never thought I'd have the privilege of being a broadcaster on the radio until 2010 when I realized there was this thing, you know, internet radio. And we started the show in July. Aaron Ra was my first guest, had just over a thousand listeners. And here we are in, you know, the fourth quarter of 2016, approaching show number 300. And to celebrate, we're going to have a big, big event in Dallas, Texas at the Doubletree by Hilton, Dallas Richardson. We, we had to expand the venue. We have sold, we had, there were 200 seats and they sold like that. So we oh, wow. called the hotel and said, help. And they've expanded to 320. It looks like we may sell that out. Oh, wow. Oh, that's awesome. 
it's crazy. And um, so I'm my big thing really is I'm trying not to screw it up. <laughs> <You> know, I, <laughs> I know uh, yeah. that feeling, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to screw it up. I, I am so grateful and so honored that the people have taken the show into their lives. It's I'm terrified at any moment it will go away. Do you guys know that feeling? Like oh, when yeah. you go out and you produce oh, it yeah. and, and you you feel like you put your heart into it and you want it to make a difference and, and you you love it. You want it to be there every week. But there's an insecure part of every performer and, and producer, I think, that's like, one of these days they're going to figure me out and they're all going to go away. <laughs> <laughs> we feel the way about my whole life. We just did, a, we just did our first live show. Uh, at QED, Question, Explore, Discover in Manchester. We're just back from it as like two weeks ago, our very first live show. And I was shocked that there were that many people in the room. I just was shocked that, I mean, they had to close the door and not let anyone else in. They said, sorry, the room is at its fire capacity. We cannot fit any more people in here. And they sat and laughed and enjoyed this show. And we had this awesome, amazing time. And I, the whole time I was sitting there thinking like, there's going to be six people that are going to come <laughs> yeah. and I'm just going to invite them on stage and we're just going to hang out. You know what I mean? Like, I just like, I couldn't imagine filling that room up. You and guys was, in front of a live audience, I think would be just fantastic. I would have loved to have been there. We had a there. lot of fun. We had yeah. a lot of fun. We had a, and we had a gracious audience. I think the very best part, and I think that that's what you're going to have too, right? Is you're going to have a group of people that are there so excited to see you right. that everything you say is going to be great and, and your interactions <laughs> with them is going to be great. And it's just going to be... It's going to be a love fest. You're going to enjoy the hell out it's of true. it. The only a, downside is you're going to have David Smalley with you. I think that's the only downside. <laughs> you know, it's a small, it's a small downside. It's a diminutive, we have to minuscule. We have to give David Smalley shit every time. We, that's, that's my favorite. To, we have to give him shit all the time. He, he and I have a friendly rivalry. I, it's sort of like church volleyball. You know, it's one of those yeah. things where he just. I've got a pretty pretty amazing lineup. I was very fortunate. Dillahunty's going to be there, but he's not yeah. speaking. He's you know he does magic right, and so. If you've never seen Matt Dillahunty do no table close-up magic, wow. we'll go out to a restaurant and he'll pull out like he's got this little bag with some rope and some playing cards and stuff in him, right? And the guy is amazing. He was doing tricks when we did the Unholy Trinity tour in Australia. There was one trick that he saw where a deck of cards disappeared from his hand. Natalie and I literally stepped back from the table like, no, you didn't. Like, what, un- <laughs> what unholy magic is going on here? Uh, but he's doing a 45-minute magic show to cap the day. Shelly Siegel's going to sing. She's doing a concert. Smalley's talking. I've got Aaron Rod doing a speech. He's hot oh, off wow. his new book, Foundational Falsehoods of Creationism. Sarah Hader, who we've been talking about, is coming out. And and the broadcast itself is we're going to do a live to tape that day, and then we're going to broadcast it the following, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday. Oh, wow. I but can't wait to hear it. It's Everybody, everybody is going to be there, all the, my guests and the audience. And so that synergy, the back and forth, the yeah. action, reaction, the who knows what's going to happen in any given moment thing is going to be taking place. And I can't wait. I think I'm really scared about it because I keep having these dreams that that I, the event's going on and everything is going wrong. <laughs> I keep it's having this dream happen. that, oh, yeah, they, no, that they didn't show up. No one's, the doors yeah. won't open. None of the gear works. Everything's wrong. And uh, so I think I must have some deep-seated anxiety about it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. Wait to hear it. So are tickets still available right now? Yeah, there are a few tickets left if people want to go. Uh, it's sponsored by Fellowship of Freethought Dallas. And let me say, if it wasn't for FOF Dallas, this would not have happened. I put up a significant investment myself, which also makes it increasingly scary. But 
FOF has done the same. And so it's a one-two punch between us. Wow. I couldn't have pulled this off without it. So if you want to go, the tickets, we kept the whole ticket price really low at 15 bucks for the whole day, right? For the less than the cost of a deluxe sushi roll, you can see Dillahunty, Sarah Hader, David Smalley, Aaron Raw, Shelly Siegel, and be a part of the broadcast. You can go to fofdallas.org slash 300 live, the number 300 and uh, you can get your tickets, fofdallas.org slash 300 live. Wow, that's great. Good luck. I have enjoy your enjoy your 300 show, Seth. I'm a little terrified as to what will populate the following 300 with, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wait, I got to come up with more shit to say after this? Right. What am I going to do, you know? Uh, so. People are going to love it no matter what oh, you do. Oh, yeah, you're going sure. to kill it up there. Yeah. It sounds like a hell of a lineup, yeah, and the energy so. of the crowd is just going to propel that whole for thing sure. forward. Well, thanks at least for helping me slug it. I'm excited. It's a privilege yeah. to do what you love. I know you guys know the feeling. When you do what you love, it is... It, it is one of the most rewarding things. And, you know, we all have our days. We all hit the wall. We have which, this movement has its challenges that occasionally make it frustrating. Uh, we, in, in our in the YouTube comment sections of life, we all hit that, <laughs> hit that wall. <laughs> uh, but I overall, 2016, I am, my friend, <laughs> I'm honored to be able to do what I do and to do how I do. I'm just excited. So it's going to yeah. be a great day. We'll get it on the radio shortly after the 19th of November and we'll make a big splash about it. OK, amazing. I'm pumped to hear it. Sweet. Seth, thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, people are going to find your podcast. Where would they look? Just go to thethinkingatheist.com, which is uh, the the site I host. The Thinking Atheist is not a person. It is an idea. It is an icon. You'll see there are videos. There are radio podcasts. There is an editor's blog. We have resources. We have a section just dealing with things like the Christian Bible and the reputations of it. Just a lot of resources. But you can find the podcasts list there chronologically. It's thethinkingatheist.com. Thanks again, Seth. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for what you do and all my best. So we want to thank uh, all our patrons, of course, uh, but we want to thank our uh, the most recent patrons, Jason, King Louis the Funk. <laughs> I love that. Tim, Darian, Sydney Funnel Web Spider, no. Winky Face, <laughs> Jonathan, Michelle, this one I love, the 49th Apostate, <laughs> Mike, Bob, that's my cream in your latte, Sam... Eliza, Graham, Brian, Corky, Cycad, Greg, Corey, Tom's future ex. Call me. Paul, <laughs> Joseph, it's a dude. Uh, ben, Al. Text me. <laughs> dick pick me. George, Jared, and Anthony, thanks so much for your generous donations. You're the reason why we were able to just go to Europe. Yeah, isn't that incredible? back from QED. And it was our first ever show, uh, live show, and uh, and it was an absolute blast. We had such a good time. The the room was packed. People were like excited to be there. And we we put on what I think was a pretty good show. You can see, you can listen to it. We released it last week. Or if you're a patron, you can view the video. We posted the video on the patron feed. So if you want to see us. Uh, do the show, but there are a few sight gags that are there necessary. are. There's sight gags that yeah. are fun, and and we had. I gotta say, it was my first time I ever left the country, and I think the country breathed a sigh of relief as yeah, soon as the plane exactly. got my ass off of it. Yeah, um, it was such an incredible pleasure um, to go out and to meet people um, at QED. I, I can't. I, I I can't imagine 
really truly meeting a better group of people you know from the from the first night at the kind of this social event yeah, that we yeah, had sure um all the way through um and the first night bled quickly into the first morning yeah. and yeah. things got a little things got a little shaky i'm not yeah, gonna lie about sure, it for sure. i feel like i owe some people some apologies you know who you are <laughs> I don't know who you are, <laughs> but <laughs> I would apologize to a lot of those people. They didn't listen to the show. So. <laughs> I don't know what to uh, tell you. There, you know, there, there, there was a moment where I saw somebody and I just looked over and I'm like, do I need to apologize? Because <laughs> if so, I'm probably sorry. Real sorry. I don't know yeah. if I feel it, but yeah. I should say it. But, but truly it was like, I think you said it when we were there, Cecil, it's like, it's like everybody's trying to have a nice off, you know, everybody was just incredibly kind and super gracious and meeting the fans was, I, I thought it was a fucking hoot. Yeah. And being able to do the show live mm-hmm. and being able to travel for the show and enjoy that time, that, that's, that, that makes doing this and coming out and driving two and a half hours in the fucking rainstorm today just yeah. to get here, yeah. it makes that kind of shit really worthwhile. It makes doing this show, which I do love doing, but adding that element, being able to go out and meet people and shake hands and kiss babies and all that kind of good yeah. stuff. I fucking loved it. It was. It I was fucking good. loved it. Was it was great. And, and meeting all the people, the people that we met, were so amazing, fun to talk to, cool people. Yeah, just um, awesome. Just everybody, you know, through the through the uh, all of them that that I met. I don't. I didn't meet a single person that I was like, God, get me away from this person. You know what I mean? Like, no, I think I was that person know, for a lot of folks. I know, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. And also, we got a chance to hang out with the skating atheist crew. Uh, Heath is. I, I, you could put as many drinks in that guy, and he's the same guy. I've never that seen him. That is amazing, right? That is, no, right? that is a because Heath and I went pretty hard for two straight nights, and it's four, five o'clock in the morning. You look over, and Heath is just fucking. He's just, sl- he's just fucking smooth as velvet. I can't believe the whole it. time. I picked somebody up and threw somebody at him, and he just calmly picked her up and set it to the side, like no big deal. People always be throwing bitches, and it's like, it doesn't matter. He yeah. is, he is fucking unflappable. He's, a, he's a, and he's. Funny and he's great to hang out with. Eli was awesome. Noah hanging out with him was great. Yeah, all uh, just and you know uh, could not ask for better yeah. people to hang out with across the board. Yeah. Eli is a hoot. He's he's the quickest witted person in person I have ever known. I've never known anybody he's really quicker yeah. than that guy, and more of a pain in the ass to go to a restaurant <laughs> with. Every than time that he guy. like goes to a restaurant, it's so Jesus funny. Jesus fucking Christ! It, it, it just feels like. He's got to ask. I mean, and I, he's a vegan, right? So of course, you know, it's he's already gross. sorry that he's there. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> so am already I. Sorry, and so he's, you know, yeah, I'd like to order this, but is there any way that you can, you know, maybe just take the broccoli and run it through a warm room? I don't want to actually when we warm it up. I just want you to run it through a warm room, and then if you could just blow on it three times, spin around, walk over to me and present it. But I don't want you to look at me. I want you to hand it over your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> don't look at me while I eat it. You know, like he's just, he asks all these demands whenever we go out and it's, it's so funny to, to listen to. And my, my favorite moment eating okay. with Eli this, this last time. And we ate a ton of meals with them and it was great. And it, we had this fight with Heath who was going to pick up the bill and Heath is so smooth. He got me twice. That fucker. <laughs> pissed you oh, off. It made it me great. mad. I was so mad, but he got me, he got me really good. Um, at the burger place. This is fucking asshole. My favorite Eli story eating out. We, contact uh, the guys in Glasgow who were amazing. We're going to talk about that in a second, Glasgow in a second, but he, uh, the, uh, Eli and the rest of us, Anna's with them. And then uh, it's Noah and Heath and, and us too. And then Graham, is that how you say Graham? Graham. Graham. And it's like Graham, but and angry. And a young lady who I cannot remember her name. Um, 
Oh, no. I don't remember her name either. And she was so sweet. She and was wonderful. so sweet and nice, but I just can't. Her name's not coming to me. I, but she was really nice and such a sweet lady. We, we all, all of us go out to breakfast and, and I'm going to call him <laughs> Graham because it's just easier. Graham. Graham was there and he, he was like, okay, we're going to go to this place. Well, he looks, he's like, this place is closed. And so he's like, well, we'll just go to the casino. And so we walk over to the <laughs> casino and we look inside and, and inside the casino, it looked like there was a restaurant. It looked like a pretty nice restaurant. It was like, right. okay, no problem. And everybody outside was like, cool. And we walk in, we show him our passports because we had to get inside to this place and the He's like, okay, yeah, you can go in because you're old enough. And we start to go in, and, and, and we're like, oh, can we just go get a seat? And the guy says, no, you have to go downstairs. And Eli gets this look in his face. <laughs> and it's like, it's, like, it's like the look of like a kid who walked in on his parents having sex and not quite sure what happened. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like, is this, daddy hurting her? It's like, right? is daddy hurting mommy? Like, he's got this look on his not face. Yeah, that's later and in the evening. He's, he's got this look, and he's, it's this panicked sort of look, and I could see it in his right. face. And he's like, he's like, I don't know if we should go here. Guys, I don't, I don't know if we should go here. And I was like, Eli, we can go wherever you want to go. He's like, no, it's okay. It's fine. But I don't know if we should go. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just and he's like, he, he couldn't stop himself. And he's and so we start to go downstairs. And he's and as we're walking downstairs, he's like, guys, guys, this is the before time. This is the before time. <laughs> After this, we can look back on this and be like, we decided in the before time to actually leave. And I know why he was mad. I know why he it wasn't mad. I know no, why he, he was nervous. He was nervous because you're at a casino where they're just like, yeah, I'm not gonna fucking, I'm not gonna. They're not, not gonna use, accommodate not his gonna Accommodate right. this at all. And I could tell, but it was so funny to see him just freeze. Panic. And the thing is, is Eli doesn't panic. Like Eli is unflappable. We found that out in Edinburgh. Oh, yes, nobody we did. fucking knew who we were. Yeah. And we all they're like asking us to do a QA and nobody in the room knows who we are. And Eli's like, I'm Eli fucking Bosnick. Ha ha. ha. And he's making <laughs> Let all me kinds do an impromptu magic he show. Does, Brand he, does, new. he does jokes and a magic show and he's fucking <laughs> killing it. But you know, you know how Ryan to you know it. how to ruin Eli is say I'm gonna take you to the casino <laughs> for breakfast. And Eli's just but Eli's body was just like no. <laughs> it was so amazing. It was so great. And then I looked at Eli and I was like, you're right. This is the before time. Gra Graham, we're gonna go somewhere else. And he was like, oh okay, no problem. And we yeah, just right. went it was out a to another place. It was, it was a total, total non-issue. Non it was a total non-issue. But it was it was great. It was I, I, eating. Eating with Eli is as embarrassing as going to a restaurant with your racist grandmother, though. Like, you never know what she's about to say, and you know you're going to fucking hang your head in shame That's when she true. does. And you're like, don't, don't. It's not a picking any baby. You can't say that out loud, Grandma. That's not. You can't say that. That's terrible. Eating with Eli is almost that bad. But watching him clap fingertip to fingertip yeah. with excitement when we ate a mealish item in a little tea room. He was custom so designed excited. for little girls. He was so excited. He would clap his hands. He'd, he'd <laughs> smack his little hands fingertips together. Fingertips to oh, fingertips. So like a, like a yeah. gay seal. Like oh, a, it was amazing. He's beautiful, yeah. man. And, a beautiful and, man. You know, it, just hanging out with all three of those guys. Just, they were great. They were amazing. They were great Noah is, uh, you know, he doesn't drink. But he's so much fun to have a conversation with while you're drinking. So it's like it turns out it's really well, great. Well, look at who yeah. he's surrounded by. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, well, yeah, Eli doesn't yeah, drink either. Yeah, I guess that's so, true. Yeah, but it was it no, was, was a great. We guy, had a great we had yeah. a great time hanging out with them. It was a lot of fun. And the the thing we did in in Glasgow was awesome. Oh my god, we had such a good time. Yeah. Brian put on this uh, little quiz show for us. Um, treating us like the foreigners that we were. We drank this fucking, this, oh, this lacquer thinner, it. whatever <laughs> it was. Iron brew. It was the worst thing I, it was, it was so bad. No. Um, and then, you know, they just like, 
we learned that playing the air flute is a bad thing, and <laughs> you know, we just, we just learned a whole bunch of stuff. And it Turns was a out lot the of Scottish fun. are still upset about things that happened 326 <laughs> yeah. years ago. And then we wound up uh, having drinks that night, and that was a lot of fun. We got met. Uh, by Sean in Edinburgh. Edinburgh's a beautiful city. We just we absolutely fell in love with That's that city. city. Oh it is God. amazing. Tom and I ate at this uh, this witchery place for lunch while the guys for scathing atheists were recording. And they were stuck, stuck in their stuck hotel, in hotel room. room. We were in this beautiful we're castle. We're in a 15th century castle having a fine having dining meal. Like, uh, enjoy recording, <laughs> sucker fools. It was great. It was actually it was great. It was beautiful. Um, the night that night, uh, we wound up going to the skeptics in the pub in Edinburgh, and they. There was like six people in the audience that I they listened to our show. I just want to thank you so much for coming to yeah. that because you saved us. Nobody in that audience knew, and they were a bunch of angry old Scots, and they didn't give two fucks who we were. Yep. They didn't know fuck all of who we were it at all. It could have been a disastrous evening. It could have been an absolutely disastrous. And it felt like it was going to yeah, be when it started. It I, I think we were all looking at each other like, uh-oh, this is going to be horrible. What the actual fuck? This but is it turned not out great well. because um, there were some people in the audience that night that just saved the show. But we met so many cool people in Scotland. We met, uh, uh, I mean, I, his name, Declan, is that how he pronounced it? Yeah, Declan was in Glasgow. Declan was in Glasgow. Declan's I'm talking about Scotland, guy. though. Yeah, Scotland, in Scotland in general. In general. Yeah. We met a ton yeah. of great people there. Declan, who, who was able to come out um, and, and you know, go to the skeptics in the pub and hang, and hang out. We, we met a ton of people there, a ton of people I don't remember. Too many names. to name, and, and, and forgive us for not remembering yeah. every name, but um, everybody we met to a T was awesome. Plus, you get dogs in your pubs, yeah. which that's... Uh, Hannah, who came up from London, uh, was just, it was just awesome to, you know, to see someone come that far to meet us, and she was delightful she and was. so sweet. And then, you know, we wound up going to that Edinburgh place, and, the, and, and Stuart and a few other people that were in that in that group that night asked enough questions during that Q and a to keep it rolling and keep yeah. it interesting. And we can't thank you enough for that because we were dying. dying. We, we were, were dying. dying up there. Eli was doing a magic trick and he, <laughs> he's great. bobbing the whole time. And he's like, this room is on fire. <laughs> the best he was thing so ever. funny. He was, and, and it was like, like after that moment of being on stage, I mean, it wasn't really a stage. We were just sort of on a, like a little weird little raised platform on the side with, you know, the chairs. But we were on, we were the focus of the attention. We sure were. And being, going through that sort of with them was the best. It was yeah. so good because they, you know, not only is Eli unflappable, but Heath was giggling uncontrollably <laughs> and made it bearable. <laughs> Noah was quick and and funny and yeah. insightful when he needed to be. He was. And it was it was great to be able to lean on like everybody was leaning on each other just so we could survive that. And it felt like I was in a plane crash with those guys. <laughs> I mean it felt like after Wait, I walked out of that right. I was like these guys like we're like blood brothers. I, I was gonna say like yeah. we're bonded through fucking uh trauma at yeah. that point. But and it was it was it, wonderful. It, it, they they it was really you know it was one of those things that it was an amazing, amazing couple of nights, and we had such a great time, you know, just such a great time in general up there. And we just can't, you know, we can't thank everybody enough for for being so accommodating and having so much fun. And and again, I mean, to iterate the point, thanks to our patrons, yeah. thanks to everybody over the course of the years that supported the show. We've been doing this for a long time, and and really for me, this is kind of a culminating event, like to be able to start seeing the world um, because of the work that we've done for the show and the, the patrons and the fans that have supported us over the course of the last however many years, I just think it's incredible. I just think it's really incredible to have that opportunity, and I am intensely grateful for it. Me too, me too. So we want to cover a bit of email before we go today. So uh, 
we want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the stuff that happened, you know, because we haven't had a show and we haven't been in in studio for a while. Right. Um, so we did get a couple messages about felonies. One of them in particular mentioned that, you know, felons can vote and we, we that is state by state depending. Mm-hmm. Um, felons can vote and felons do slowly start to get reintegrated and in, back into society. Um, there are some, there are steps that they can take. So that was a, a little bit of a misstatement on our part. Right. So there are there are ways in which felons can participate in society once they're once they they are released from uh, jail or paid their sort of debt to society. Yeah. This is interesting. We t- also talked about uh, what a felony can be, and Patrick says until a couple years ago, the Virginia st- Code listed both oral and anal sex as Class Six felonies. Uh oh. Um, they wouldn't get a conviction, of course. Uh, but they would certainly have hauled me and my boyfriend off to a pokey uh, and nothing but handcuffs if they wanted to. That is crazy that you could get for oral or anal sex class six felonies. That's what if nobody up. swallows? Does mm. it still count? Then it's a then it's then it's punishable by death. Can actually. It, right? Is it, then nobody's then it's not even worth you it. You get to slap somebody right. in the face. What during? That's the only way to do it. Uh, I'm just double checking. Yeah, yeah. I like I asked permission first, and then I'm game, dude. <laughs> we got a message from Jonathan, and Jonathan was talking about um, when we had we were talking about Jesse Lee Peterson. Jesse Lee Peterson was uh, was we were playing a segment from him, and he was talking about how he uh, imagine if you were running from Bin Laden, and uh, and you jumped into uh, into a foxhole, and there was a girl in there, a guy dressed like a girl. Right. You would run out and go rather go run with Bin Laden or something like that, and. Uh, and he says, he says, not only is Osama bin Laden five years deceased, as you both noted, but the idea of groups of American soldiers, sailors, Marines, et cetera, would be fleeing from a lone insurgent is insanely hilarious <laughs> and implies a level of cowardice I cannot begin to fathom. I love that. That is so amazing and hilarious. It's something I completely went past us. Thank you so much for, uh, for sending that in, Jonathan. We got a great oh, I image. Love this. And I want gonna, this poster. This, this is going to be. Uh, this is going to be posting before uh, the election. So this is actually a good election poster for Trump. <laughs> That's, um, I laughed. I laughed. I know. And he, laughed. He, Tom did laugh out loud um, when he saw this. So this is from Jason. We're going to be posting it as a motivational poster. I love it so much for this episode, episode three twenty four. We got a message from uh, Christian, and Christian sent us uh, a big long message uh, chiding us about how flippantly we talked about the NSA during Jim Baker's uh, little tirade. And Jim Baker was talking about the NSA. This is several episodes ago where he was talking about how they record every single conversation and how they're monitoring him and how he can't even say certain things on his internet show because they'll monitor him or whatever. And, uh, and we did make a, a comment about uh, hashtagging a conversation. Yes. Oh. That is incorrect. They do yep. actually look for keywords, and that is something that – that we did want to correct, but there's this, this is something that I did want to talk about too. We get a lot of emails from people who seem to have deeper interest than we do in some subjects and a deeper bit of outrage in some subjects than we do. When we don't approach it with the amount of gravity that they think we should be approaching it, we get shitty emails from people who yeah. say, God damn it, how dare you not talk about how bad the NSA is. And yeah, the NSA is, is, is dipping into conversations and they're, and they're keywording things. And there's a level of freedom we have to give up to be safe, and that's there's a there's a conversation there to be had. Uh, I don't know where I stand completely on where the NSA is uh, and where they where they uh, they dip into you know regular civilian conversations. I also feel though that uh, that Jim Baker 
was way off the mark in what he was talking about. The stuff he was talking about, recording every single conversation, listening to every single conversation. That's not happening. That can't actually happen. You mentioned it on the show. There's just not enough manpower to do that sort yeah, of thing. To, to suggest the suggestion, the implication that Jim Baker was making was that the, the NSA has an enormous facility, which they clearly have. Has they clearly an enormous, have yeah. Yeah, I'm not arguing that. Has an enormous facility. But again, he said it was a secret <clears throat> facility. You're right. like, it's not, it's a, not secret a secret facility. facility. It's a, uh, there's right. all these things that we were I made pointing fun, out. I was making yeah. fun. Like, it's yeah. not a secret facility if you have a picture of it. Yeah. Right? It's not a fucking secret facility if yeah. you found it on Google search. Right? Exactly. You know, it's not a uh, stop. Yeah. And nobody's – it is not the case that there's people with headphones listening to every conversation yeah. everybody has in the world. That's not happening. It's literally impossible from a time and manpower standpoint. It's just not happening. I, I did make fun of the, the keyword thing you know, with my hashtag comments because it was funny. Yeah. But it, that, is, that is very probably part of what's happening. But the idea that they're listening to you and I and there's somebody with headphones on listening to every cognitive dissonance or, episode or every phone call that I'm making you right. know whatever yeah. or every right. and and in the way he was talking about it, it's like every conversation you have right as if as if every part of the world yeah. is bugged yeah so yes the NSA there <coughs> there are definite things to 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 worry about and to and to discuss and to think about when it comes to the NSA I'm not sure that Jim Baker was on the near the mark on nearly any of that right I agree we got a message. Uh, this is from Travis, and Travis says, listening to the new episode about dogma debate and Smalley and Fisher, uh, my response to Fisher's comment about all people born being straight, being born straight, would be, well, what? Uh, well, are transvestites born straight, and if so, what kind of straight are they? And what he's, what I think he would say to you, Travis, is he would say, well, that's a mental illness. He would come right out, and also we don't say transvestites, by the way. Transvestites is a um, it's transgender. Um, right. I just, I'm just quoting the email, but yeah, that's an, just um, language policing you, Travis. <laughs> but because uh, we won't uh, be language cause, police, because we're going to be language police for saying it. We'll but, get a ticket by proxy. Yeah, you know, just, <laughs> but I just want to say, uh, we got a boot on your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you. Uh, I think he would just say that that's a mental illness. He yeah. would he would fall back on that as he's he's a great rhetorician, and I think that Smalley was actually smart to just cut off, cut losses, and just yeah, it's it. abandon that train yeah. of thought. Yeah. We got a great video. Oh, I love this video. This is from uh, this is from somebody else, and somebody else sent this in. It's Alex. It's an Alex Jones video. It's very short, and uh, and it's awesome. And it, it it's just you just got to watch it. It's on our website. Oh, oh, this is great. We got a we got a link um, from Bruno, and this is a link for somebody who's selling Why? wax Amish children, and they are terrifying. They are amazing. I watch so a, many I'm going to put a link on this episode's show notes, but take a look at these images. Ugh. Could you imagine walking into this scary fucking room full of all these fucking... <laughs> in, oh, my God. That's a horror show. I love it. You know what you got to do is you got to stick a wick yeah. in the top of them and burn them like a candle. <laughs> we did get a message from someone who does not want us to use their name on the air, but they said that they um, they agreed with us on the idiocy, uh, the idiocy of Jim Baker. Um, they used to work at the NSA and the NSA does not actually, uh, do the things that Jim Baker says. So, uh, so, Hey guys, argument from authority, <laughs> a random internet guy yeah. says he's super. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. maybe, 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 but, uh, but, but he agrees with us. He agrees so with us, so we love him. We love him. Yeah. <laughs> no, but he says, however, the U S constitution, specifically the fourth amendment prohibits collecting intelligence on the aforementioned groups without a court order or signed by a federal judge. And he's talking about religious groups. So, uh, so I just wanted to mention, 
uh, the thank you for the person who works at the NSA. Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> who said they worked at the NSA and doesn't <laughs> Hashtag NSA. Hashtag. <laughs> Uh, we got a message, and this is this is uh, something we wanted to address. This is from John, and John says, uh, Jesse Lee Peterson may have a cleft palate. And we looked this up, and he does actually have a cleft palate. So we are, if we do do a show about him, we will talk about the stupid shit he says, but we will stop making fun of how he talks because that is a physical, dis- it's a phys- yeah, that's physically just, disabled. Yeah, he can't do anything about yeah, that, and so we don't want to go do. down that road with yeah. him. That's not fair. That isn't fair. And, so. and, but he is a complete idiot. Oh, yeah, I mean, all the shit com- he says is still up for grabs. He's a complete idiot. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, the way he says things yeah. should not be... Uh, he's still on the chopping block. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I do think we may still do a show with him uh, as the person who we... Roast the uh, roast shit out the of the shit out of. Yeah. Um, so we got a message, Tom, from Chris, and I know you wanted to address this. He's a cop in Australia. Yeah, he says, uh, he's talking, he says, you know, we stop people on bikes all the time. Now, granted, this is Australia, right? And so it doesn't really count as a country. But he says we stop them for riding at night without lights, riding without helmets, or traffic offenses like running through lights or pedestrian crossing. <laughs> Pussy ass country. You can play rugby without a helmet. You, can, you can't ride a bike. Do you see all the people like riding in the middle of the fucking <laughs> lane in Chicago? They're riding in the middle of the goddamn lane, and they're on a fucking divvy bike, and they got no Throw their helmet, cell phone. and they got flip-flops on, <laughs> and like no pants, and their balls are hanging out, and they're like, whatever, beep, beep, fuck you. Yeah, and then down there, they're like, oh, sorry. Sorry, mate, you ain't wearing a helmet. <laughs> But he says, but most of all, we stop them because our crooks get around on bikes. Simple as that. If you're riding a shit bike, oh, this is the part, or you look like a crook, I'll stop and talk to you. You look like a crook. I got to say, I think that's Ishmael's point, is he's tired of people thinking that he looks like a crook just because he's a black dude on a bicycle. What the fuck does a crook look like? Uh, He definitely looks aboriginal or black. We got a great image. Oh, I'm going to post this. This is Ted Cruz as a baby. It's, <laughs> it's so Jared. unsettling. It's so unsettling and hilarious. <laughs> that poor kid. That's all I got to say. That poor kid. All right. So uh, we want to thank Seth Andrews, the host of The Thinking Atheist, for joining us what today. What a great guy, what a great man. Guy. And every time we get on the, on the call with that guy, the language he uses, and I know we mention this each yep. time, but the language he uses is is... You know, however I can serve you is what he says all the time when we're off the air to sort of yeah. like, because we, we said, he said, how long is this going to take? And we're like, oh, it'll be done. And, you know, we can be done in 30 minutes. He's like, no, no, I don't. I just want to know. Like, I just I, I don't want to take up too much of your time is I what know. he said. Like, that is just like the generosity of that guy is it's it just beyond. I mean, it's just it's beyond almost guy. anything yeah, else. It's just I, an amazing. It, guy. In fact, I will. I want to a little further. The first time we had him on, he said, you know, I, I, he said something like, I, let me know how else I can be of service to you. And that's a phrase that I, it stuck with me and I've incorporated that into my own lexicon because yeah. I thought that is how you're, that is how graciousness yeah. behaves. For sure. You know, and I appreciated that so much. He's a good guy. He's a very man. good guy. And he just, he just raised $15,000 for Camp Quest. Uh, and, and he said he's going to be doing more of that in the future. And if you want to go to his 300th episode, you're in Texas and you want to, you know, go see him and suffer through Smalley. You can go get tickets. Uh, for <laughs> you're shaking your head at me, <sighs> Jesus. Anyway, David, we love you, and we know you listen. So yeah. we know you're. A we, huge, know, you, we know. Yeah, you're you'll catch fan. this on your next you'll listen of cognitive dissonance. So, we want to thank thanks Seth though for coming on the show, and uh, and if you do want to catch him in uh, in uh, in Texas, you can still get tickets. We'll put a link 
to that on this episode show notes as well as a link to his show. Um, but uh, but that's going to do it for uh, for this show, for this episode. It was a lot of fun. We had a great time in Europe, and we're going to hit hit the schedule pretty hard here. Yes, we this, are. If you are around and maybe near your computer, we will either be A, live-tweeting election stuff tomorrow night, or it's our great hope. We're not sure if this is going to happen. But it's our great hope that we'll be doing a live broadcast on Facebook Live if we can get it to work. Yeah, we didn't work. We're or, trying to work a video or, feed. Yeah, we're going to try to do a video feed of us watching the election coverage in Glory Hole Studios on Tuesday night. So if you're around on Tuesday night, check our Facebook page out. There may be a link to YouTube or it may be happening on Facebook. But we're hopefully going to have a live video feed of Glory Hole Studios, us watching our monitor, us watching 538. And during the boring parts, we might be doing some stories and messing around. So if you want to check that out, that'll be probably... Uh, tomorrow night. That's but crazy. Yeah. The very, but we, you know, at very least, we will definitely be live tweeting throughout the evening. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, look forward to that. So, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We'll get you, ne- we'll catch you next time, but we're going to leave you like we always do with the Skeptics Creed. Credulity is not a virtue, it's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death and towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and information provided on this podcast are intended for entertainment purposes only. All opinions are solely that of Glory Hole Studios, LLC. Cognitive dissonance makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, currentness, suitability, or validity of any information, and will not be liable for any errors, damages, or butthurt arising from consumption. All information is provided on an as-is basis. No refunds. Produced in association with the local Dairy Council and viewers like you.